The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. John 5. Let's read verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now, from, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, King James, Blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down in a certain season into the pool to trouble the water. Whoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. Let me say that many people are waiting for a stirring but never experience it. Many people are waiting for their deliverance, waiting for their freedom, waiting for their breakthrough, but actually are delayed year after year, and they wonder why. How is it, as there's this man, put up verse uh, 5, please. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 and 8 years. Leave it there. How is it that there's this man who's by this pool that never gets healed? But what's worse than that, let's keep reading, verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been there a long time in that case. And he said, saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? So here's Jesus, go to verse 7. Here's Jesus and he says, do you want to be healed? That's an unusual question to ask somebody who's 38 years sitting by a pool and all that's about that pool is healing. And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. Oh, snap. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. What's crazy is to be by that pool all those years and be unchanged. I will tell you, I, I declare the word of the Lord to you as God spoke to me today. Some of you have been coming to this church for years and you continue in the same mess that when you first came in. Some of you, listen, if you're in the same mess you were in when you first got here six months ago, you should wake up tonight. And realize that there's some perilous difficulties and some problems. I mean, you're really facing some difficulties. I don't mean like something that's hard to let go. I mean, you've remained the same, but you continue to come. That's not even biblical. You ought to check whether you're saved. Amen. Just pretend I'm the evangelist, all right? If you get offended, the pastor will be back Sunday morning. Jesus went and he cursed a fig tree and he says, you know, and they said, oh, no, wait, you know, the parable, dig around it after a year if there's no fruit. But there was another instance where he cursed a fig tree. Fig tree represented Israel, but it also represents us. And I will tell you that when God saves somebody, he brings forth fruit from them. And if their fruit hasn't changed, you have to check whether actually you've really repented and given your heart to Jesus. If your life is barren of the fruit of the kingdom of God, 
If there is no peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, check yourself before you wreck yourself. So here's this man, and he's there, and Jesus comes to him. The man is standing there, and he says he, and says he has no man. I'm, I'm still lame because I have no man. Newsflash. It'll be no man that can really help you save Jesus. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can set you free. Yet so many people are reaching to a man, reaching to a small group. And there's a time for that. Two kinds of problems that come in life. Problems that push you to God and problems that push you closer with people. Of course, God involved in both of those. But many times you can call and try to get wisdom, and the only wisdom you're going to get is the wisdom that comes from Jeremiah 33, 3. Call upon me and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Yet many people don't call on God. So here's this lame, halt, withered, 38 years. That's a long time. 38 years, he's crippled, and he says, I, I, I can't get in. Because I have no man. And I think what he's doing is he's kind of looking at Jesus who's probably, I don't know. The Bible says that he has no, no comeliness that would be attracted to him. So there's nothing that physically was really drawing to people. He's not a pretty boy. But I think he looked at him and he saw that he you know, was strong. At least if he's a carpenter. Anybody ever worked with carpenter? You know, I mean... He probably had strong hands. I'm sure he could scoop up the 38-year infirm dude and throw him in the pool. I think he was thinking that maybe, hey, this guy, maybe this is the man. He didn't even know, actually, who's standing there before him. 38 years. Let me ask you a question. It's rhetorical, which means you just answer it between you and Jesus. Do you really want to change your life? Do you really want to be well? Do you really want to be transformed? Or are you going to be satisfied with being a spectator? I'm not sure what to entitle this, but I think I'm going to call it From Spectator to Transformer. From Spectator to Transformer. This is what this guy was. He was a spectator, but he ended up receiving healing and transformation. And if you've come to this house... I will do my very level best to make you as uncomfortable as possible as a spectator. I will kick you out, get you going. You'll get so irritated and jacked up. You'll be like, how come he's stepping on the chairs? Oh. You'll just get so irritated. And at some point, you'll hear something from the word. Listen, if you get irritated and bothered and offended by what comes forth, now I can... I can be sweet. I'm not so sweet tonight. I'm, I'm trying. But it is demon spirits that hold people on the side of a pool like this one. It is, it is assignments from the enemy, structures in people's minds and, and the way that they perceive things. And I will tell you that it's an act of spiritual violence. I want to take the head off that thing tonight. I just want to just... Just want to decapitate whatever's holding you back. Look at your neighbor and say, oh, decapitation in church. Praise the Lord. <laughs> he 
Here's the first problem that, that the man has that I think people have that we see from this text. He had it all figured out because he told Jesus, well, the stirring of the water, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine Jesus like, yeah, yeah, I know the angel, I know him, yeah. You know, the angel, yeah, I know him. Yeah, we send him down. Yeah. He's not coming anymore because I'm here, but anyway, yeah. You know, I think he's just kind of thinking to himself. The man has an idea of how his healing is going to come. Listen, if you figured out how your healing is going to come apart from real true revelation from God, that's probably how it's not going to happen. In other words, in his mind, I get a big strapping carpenter. Oh, may the water stir now, and then he can run me down. He had a pitcher. I just got to get there first. Bubba got there. Maybe I can. I just got to get in there first. And God's got to bring me. And I think he's praying, bring him in. Oh, bring him in. Bring him in. Oh, God, bring him in. And he looks up. Ooh. Well, those are pretty strong arms. Those Galilean legs could hustle me down to that water in a big hurry. In his mind, he has it figured out about how he's going to get his miracle. When all the while, the miracle worker is standing right there who doesn't need to stir anything. Just speak a word. Don't be locked into a model about how God's going to set you free. Don't be locked into a, a, a perception about how God's going to deliver you, how God's going to do the miracle. Don't be locked into that. Be, be focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you will find him. Yes, there's a contending. Yes, there's, a, there's, a, there's prayer. There's laying on of hands. We believe in all of that. It's all good. It's wonderful. But if you haven't locked into your mind like Naaman had it locked in, you know, that he was going to wave his hand over him and all the leprosy would go away. No, no, no. Naaman had to dip seven times. Five, five or seven? Yeah, seven. Number of completeness. Thank you, Gil. God bless you. So Naaman had to dip seven times, but that's not the picture he had. I tell you, I went to prophetic conferences for 20 years. Well, that's, that's not right. We've had them for over 20 years. I think for 10 of those, I would go to that conference. These incredible prophetic uh, uh, men and women of God that would, I mean, they even, I mean, calling out names and stuff. Crazy. And I would go, Lord, you're going to speak to me about this thing. God, you're going to speak to me. All the while, the Lord would be like, I already did. I already told you. Yes, I'm going to get that prophetic word, and they're going to say what you said. And Do you know, for 10 years, I never, I would be like, I'd write it on my prayer request. I'd put it on the back of my, my giving envelope. I'd be like, oh, God, speak to me about this thing. And then I would go, and I'd go in the rooms and be in call-out rooms, or I'd be in services, and the Lord, he'd be like, the Lord says, blah, 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 everything but what I wanted to hear. I mean, it was like, say everything, everything but the one thing I wanted. And I think after 10 years, the Lord is like, son, I told you already. You know, God has a way of touching you that's beyond your, what you think he can touch you. You've come, maybe you've come for healing here, and maybe, maybe that's how we'll do, God will do it. But it could happen on your drive to Anchorage while you're listening to some worship instead of something that you shouldn't be listening to. Maybe you should turn off the news radio and, and, and listen to some high worship and let God touch you. Maybe it's your prayer time you're having when you're in your bathroom or when you make your kitchen a cathedral. Maybe it's the time in your small group on a Thursday night where you go and you learn about the things of God and then all of a sudden, bam, the fire hits you. Maybe it's morning prayer. You know, morning prayer, morning prayer this morning. I needed prayer morning prayer this morning. I, I needed some help. 
I'm in morning prayer. I needed the touch from God. And, you know, I've learned that, you, you know, you can press in, but there's times that you're just going to do the right thing and you just keep contending. And then God comes many times with surprises. And so as I laid hands on Lori, really, me too, awesome. I laid hands on Lori, and honestly, listen, you don't have to, you don't have to see the cloud. You don't have to see fire. You don't even, you don't have to feel him. Your hair doesn't have to stand on end. All of those things, you, you don't have to have any of that. Because where two or three are gathered, there he is. Settle it to know that that's the truth. Live your word based, live your life based on the word. That's what the word says. So he's with you. He's in you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. No matter what you feel like, that's the truth. If you live according to your feelings, you're going to be shipwrecked. But I laid hands on our sister. She said she's still undone. You look it. And man, it was like, whoosh, God. And I, I mean, I just, I got so touched by the Lord. She got touched by the Lord. I mean, it's just like the atmosphere right there changed. I was surprised. You say, were you expecting? Yes, I'm always expecting, but sometimes he comes in a way that's just like, whoa. Don't be locked into a framework like the 38-year cripple at the pool. It's got to be a man. It's got to be like this. It's going to come when I go to the Benny Hinn thing, and then he's going to say, be healed. Be locked in to Jesus. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. I have no man. I have no leader. I have no pastor. Yeah, welcome to Christianity. You're not supposed to, I mean, you have to, I believe everybody has to have a pastor. I believe you have to be in accountability. All of those things are right and true and good. But you have to have a relationship with Jesus above all of that. I love what one sister said to me today. I was offended at you, pastor. I thought, oh, get in line. <laughs> said, somebody else is offended. Jesus, help me not to be offensive. She said, I was offended at you, but I got over it. I said, oh. She said, I realized actually that I could, I just, Jesus was going to help me, and you know what he did? I was looking for you to do it, but when I couldn't reach you or you weren't there, I just cried out to God, and God did it. Oh, that's a revelation. We need each other. There is koinonia. There is, there is fellowship, and it's crucial, and it's important, and you have to have it, and you have to have accountability. But you have to have a walk with God. You have to have a relationship with Jesus because in the end, it'll just be you. There are times of Gethsemane where you don't know how you're going to make it. There's times when you want people to pray for you, but they're not there. They might be a stone's throw away, but it's just you and the devil, and you're calling out, and God comes and strengthens you. An angel came and strengthened Jesus as his sweat was like blood dropping to the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you don't learn how to do that, then you will be, I'm telling you, you just ain't going to make it. Not in the days that are coming. There is a great shaking that's coming. There's a great shaking that's coming. God is going to shake what can be shaken so that what remains is of him. I had this apocalyptic dream today. I study and then I'm usually exhausted from morning prayer right around 3 or 4 o'clock. And I, I study until I'm like, oh, Jesus. And then I go and have these sleeps. I nap. 
And when I nap, all the study that I'm doing just spins and swirls, and God just comes on me. It's about an hour, 45 minutes, hour at the max. I had this apocalyptic dream. And I saw people scrambling to try to figure it out, and I saw other people standing firm, with firm resolve, knowing who God is, knowing that God could come through, and other people in sheer panic. In sheer panic. You say, when is that? I have no idea. I just know that there is not a man that can truly satisfy you, not a woman that can truly satisfy you. Only Jesus can satisfy you. Only Jesus can heal you. He'll use man as a mailman, and you have to have accountability. And we, we are fighting together, contending as one man for the faith. There is the, the, the armor of, the, uh, of Ephesus, the Roman strength of the Roman army was they fought together. Shields interlocking. They knew the strength of the guy on the right, strength of the guy on the left. They fought for decades together. There is strength of fighting together. When I need a dream interpretation, I know where to go get it. I, I, know, I know different gifts in the body of Christ that can gather to me. I know who I can be accountable with. I know who will stand with me. I run with a bunch of bad cats. I mean, they're bad. They'll jump on airplanes. They'll beat back the devil. They'll do whatever is needed for me, and I'll do whatever is needed for them. And if you don't have that in your life, well, then you need to cultivate that. But there, are, there is Gethsemane times where you've got to have a relationship with Jesus. And this man was confused on that. Got to be a self-learner. You got to learn to be a self-feeder. If this is the only time you're getting the word of the Lord, then you are not a self-feeder and you have to change that. You have to learn to, to get the meat of the word yourself. You got to go get your own fork and your own steak knife and develop a, a, a life of study. Learn, develop a life of memorizing the word. And the truth is, for me, I, I mean, I was very difficult for me to read. I was dyslexic. I still reverse things. A miracle, you know, sometimes I'm reading, I go through genealogies. I just pray in tongues now when I get to the genealogies. I just go to every name. I'm like, Shondai, amen, thank you for these. So for the longest time, I just went to church and went to small group and went to everything there was. I was always in church because I really didn't know how to be a self-feeder. But part of discipleship is learning to crack your own Bible open. Could your healing actually come in the quiet time that you never have? Could your healing come in the time of worship that God's been telling, worship and dance God's telling you to have in the middle of your living room, but you don't do it. Make everything else too busy. Another problem I see with people being spectators or transformers, and God wants to move you from being a spectator to a transformer. Another problem I see is they have dysfunction in their life so long, even for generations, that their dysfunction has become normative. In other words, their dysfunction is normal for them, and they don't even actually know it's dysfunction. Now, does anybody besides me understand that? I don't know what this guy's name is, but let's call him Matt. Because <laughs> he had a mat. 
No offense to all the Matts or Matthews out there. But he, he had this mat, and I think that we can be in our mess so long that you don't even, oh. I've got chickens. My chicken coop stinks bad. Now, I learned this when I was about 12 years old, 11, 12 years old, that next to my father's house were two huge chicken houses, commercial chicken houses. And my father was a lawyer for them and had a relationship with the owner. And whenever they had a delivery of chickens, they had chickens come on 18-wheelers. How does anybody know what I'm talking about? Any farm boys or girls out there? Okay, these 18-wheelers roll in all chickens, cases of chickens. I've never seen so many chickens in my life. And so what our job was to do was to go to the truck, grab handfuls of chickens by their legs, carry them, bring them into the hen house, into the chicken coop, you know, and put them in their cages. Can I tell you the stench of that place? I'll never forget on my first day that I did it. I'm like, you know what's amazing though? How many of you know what I'm talking, where I'm going? What's amazing is after about an hour, you don't smell it anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Your old factory senses shut down. You know, some of you are living a lifestyle or living inside of the, the constructs of your mind in such bondage, and you don't even know it's bondage. I, I was oppressed, depressed years ago. I'm, I used to be pressed down in my bed. I'd see black figures all around me. I didn't even know that was abnormal. I didn't know it was abnormal to hear voices about hatred and, and violence. I didn't know that was abnormal. That's abnormal. That's devil language. And I would be sleeping in my bed as a kid, and I'd wake up, and the mattress would be up here. I'm so pressed into my bed, and I'd be gasping, stricken with fear, and, and, and I had this reoccurring dream that would take place. Okay, I had that for most of my, my, my childhood, much of my childhood, into being a young adult, into my 20s. It wasn't until I got saved that I realized I don't have to have that anymore. I remember being in a service going, wait a second. Hey, that's not good because God is good. Devil, God, good, devil. So it dawned on me, hmm, I, I don't have to have that. So the next time that, that occurred, I had fear all over me. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> Everything changed. Sat up, and I was like, Ah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I got out of bed. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And it was just like everything changed. Then I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, learned to pray in tongues. Listen, if you wake up in the middle of the night, you see two red eyes at the end of your, at the end of your bed, you ought to backhand that thing in Jesus' name. You ought to take authority over that. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to stay sick. You don't have to live a, a lifestyle of such dysfunction and anger and fear. You don't have to live subject to your flesh. Come on, you can live a spirit-filled life. You can walk in victory. You don't have to walk in bondage anymore. You can be free. You can be healed. You can have a healthy marriage.
smile at your neighbor and say, well, it's so good to be in church on a Wednesday night. Praise God. Every sin is like a mat. Some of you use your sin as a way of, sed of sedating yourself, comforting yourself. How do you know? <laughs> I know. And your mat can get so comfortable, your sin can get so comfortable. And though God's trying to trade you in for some legs so you can walk and talk and live a life abundant, you stay on your mat. And it is a very challenging thing to pick up your mat, take up your mat, get rid of your mat. It's a, it's a powerful thing to do it. And it requires really an act of hunger, desperation, and violence. And it requires the outpouring of the fire, the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Oh, but the life that you could live if you'll just put your mat up. I don't think this guy wanted, to, I don't think Matt wanted to get rid of his mat. And people are like, I want to be blessed, but I don't want to tithe. Lord, hook me up with all kinds of kala, greenbacks. Lord, I want to be wealthy. No, I don't, I don't really like the tithing part of it. Lord. Let me say that if you don't tithe and you end up with wealth, it's probably the devil to destroy you. There are instances that that's not the case, and somebody learns actually to walk in covenant after they get blessed. Lord, I want the outpouring of the Spirit, but I don't want the tongues. I want the fire of the power of God, but I, I don't, you know, that the bald guy, that black guy, I, you know. A man of God from North Carolina went to the uh, Azusa Street Revival all those years ago. He wanted the power of the Holy Ghost, but he gets there and he sees William Seymour. Funny. William C. Moore, a one-eyed black man, was the one who's leading the whole thing. And so, having his southern roots, learned prejudice, prejudice is learned. Hello. He says to himself, I want the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm not having the black man lay hands on me. So he went to all the prayer meetings. Nothing happened. He went there for a, over a week. And the Lord spoke to him and said, if you don't go up and have that black man lay hands on you, you're never going to have the power of God because you're, a, you're prejudiced, you're a bigot, and you need deliverance. So one service, he mustered up his strength and just said, oh, God, I'm sorry. He broke in repentance, came to the front. He had hands laid on him. The power of God hit him. And do you know that he went back to North Carolina and started revival, and those churches are still there. I've forgotten the name of, of that group of churches, but they're still there. You see, God wants to do something for you, and you might have been struggling with it for 38 years. But if you don't learn, you don't learn to, to pick up your mat and do what God's requiring of you, and many times it's the last thing you want to do. It's just like, I'll do anything but that. Can't you just heal me before, you know, heal me of greed, hook me up with money, and then I'll tithe. No. Can't you just fill me with your spirit without the tongues? Can't you just hook me up with the blessings of God, but I don't really want to do that. I just want to, can we just rip that? Yes. Let's just rip that page out. It was already ripped out. Don't get scared. It was worn out, I should say, not ripped out.
Pastor Alex, would you come? If you look at verse 8, then Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. <laughs> the day on which took place was the Sabbath. I love how Jesus does stuff on the Sabbath. He's just constantly trying to wreck the Sabbath police. He's just taunting them. I think he'd wake up on the Sabbath and be like, oh yeah, woo, whoa, let's mess some religious people up today. What can we do today? What can we do today? Uh, yeah, let me make a whip. You know, let me, let me, come on, Jesus is awesome. So he heals the guy on the Sabbath. And it's, it's kind of amazing. Go to verse 10. The Jews therefore said to him, said unto him that was cured, it's the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. What? What kind of special stupid is that? And you know, I've found in revival, I've found in the freedom and the power of the Spirit that there will be tremendous relationships that you will develop of people that will love you and even, even give of themselves, even lay down their lives if need be. And then there's those who are so threatened by the freedom, so threatened, so filled with a spirit of control and religiosity that they'll question you. They'll point their finger at you. Can I tell you something that I'm highly allergic to? I get hives and I pull out my sword. Religion. I hate it. You know what I mean by religion? Rules of men that have no power, no freedom. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm into holiness. I, I love the word. We're going to live for God with our hair on fire. Amen. Come on. But don't you, don't you be controlled by, by controllers, controlling people. Control is like a spirit of witchcraft. There is religious witchcraft. And you need to cut ties with it. I think this guy had a hard time picking up his mat and walking because he knew the day that he did it, he was going to get busted by the Pharisees. Listen, cut ties with dead religion. Don't be a spectator. You know what happened to this guy? Now, I, I gotta hurry because my time's up, but what happened to him is the Pharisees come and they say, Hey man, who made you whole? And he says, I don't know, bro. No clue. And later on, Jesus finds him in the temple. Now that's amazing. What, what, what verse is that? Let me, let me see. Let's look, let's look at this really quick. Keep playing wonderfully, Pastor Alex. Thank you. Afterward, Jesus findeth. Everybody say findeth. King James. That means find. Okay. Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. Now I'm about to get on your last nerve with this. Here we go. Sin no more. How much, for the love of God, how much sin could Matt actually be doing in the temple? No, I mean, think about it. He gets healed. He takes up his mat. Well, that's sin, the Sabbath, whatever. That's stupid, right? But he goes into the, he goes in, they ask him, who, who healed you? He says, I don't know, but I'm healed. 38 years, check it out. Right? And he goes to church for the first time in his life. He was not allowed in the temple before that. Must have been mind-blowing for Matt. 
walks in just like that. Oh, God, you're awesome. He's looking around. Come on, does anybody, have you ever done a study of the temple? Do you have any idea what it would have been to walk in to Herod's temple? Any clue? I mean, like, amazing. Amazing, mind-blowing. Huge gold everywhere. And, and God's power, the priests and the incense of people worshiping. And he's going in for the first time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And Jesus says, hey, Matt. Hey, hey, it's you. Yeah, it's me. Go and sin no more. What sin is he doing? Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said, and behold, thou art made whole. You're healed. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. I don't know how much sin he could have been doing right there in the temple. I think his sin is this. I think his sin is that he had gotten healed, he got set free, he got delivered, and he told nobody and didn't actually take the time to find out who actually healed him. So he received the touch of God, but he never really learned who touched him, never really found out who Jesus was, never really found out about the beauty of the emerald sardius and the throne of God, never really studied to show himself approved. I mean, of course, he's only had a few hours, but I'm illustrating a point that he didn't even know who healed him. So when it came time to witness, he couldn't even say anything. Who healed you? I don't know, bro. I'm healed, though. And so Jesus comes and says, sin no more. Listen, you need to witness. You need to talk about what Jesus has done for you. And if you don't talk about what he's done for you, you need to learn how to do that. You need to stir yourself and ask for boldness. You say, well, I'm not really evangelistic. Change. How will they know unless someone is sent? How will they know unless somebody shares their faith? I challenge you. I double dog dare you. Break that shame off of you this week. Stop somebody in Walmart and Kmart. Stop somebody in Fred Myers or cars. Stop somebody and say, I just want to tell you that Jesus changed my life and he loves you. I mean, we've got witnessing tools out there. You can pull stuff offline. You can do all kinds of things, but have a heart that says, you know what? I'm going to find out about this one who touched me. Some of you got impacted up here. And make a lifetime journey of serving him and seeking him and hungering after him. Go and sin no more. Don't be a spectator. Sit on the side of the pool where you wait for breakthrough. Make a decision. Cross over. Become a transformer, not a spectator. And God will then use you to heal others. That's God's plan. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.